think it's safe to say that everybody has a sad song that they listen to whenever they really just want to wallow in the sadness of whatever is going on in their life at that time. If you don't, you're fooling yourself and you're far too happy of a person and you scare me. But today we're going to talk about a song that has been known to be the sad song that people listen to whenever they are feeling down and they want to make themselves feel a little bit worse. Now this song is called Gloomy Sunday. Now if you came here looking for a story of something weird, unexplainable, creepy, stuff like that, you might be wondering why are we talking about a sad song? Well, I'll tell you. In a minute. I'd like to build a little bit more suspense than that. So this song called Gloomy Sunday was written in 1933 by a Hungarian composer named Risa Sores and was working in conjunction with Laszlo Havar. And these people are Hungarian, so I might be pronouncing their names wrong, but I tried my best. And I looked it up and this is what I was given. So these people wrote this song. Uh, Riso was the one who wrote the instrumentals of it. And they say that Laszlo was the one who wrote the lyrics for it. Although it's kind of debated as to if the lyrics were changed and if the intention and the meaning of the song was changed with the lyrics. Now this song didn't do anything spectacular or interesting and nobody cared about the song at all until 1935 when it was recorded by Pal Kalmar and that is how it got popularized. This guy recorded it and then from there everybody said oh I like this song. So it became pretty successful. The song originally was actually titled The World is Ending and was later called Gloomy Sunday. Now, it wasn't actually called The World is Ending. It was called the Hungarian version of whatever The World of Ending translates to. Um, And the reason why people still know this song today and still talk about it other than it being, you know, like a well-written song is because... Over time, it very quickly was given the reputation of the Hungarian suicide song. So that in itself is interesting, an interesting way to market your song, but it earned that title. A little bit more about this song and why it's so sad. If you listen to it, you know, it's in a different language, so you're not going to know what it's saying, but it's talking about the writer's feelings overall about the state of the world and the future of the world and all that, and just that he was terrified of what the world was becoming at the time. Some of the lyrics are, there are dead people in the streets everywhere. Now, these were, like I said, the original lyrics, but they were changed over time. Um, Some people say that they were changed by Laszlo himself. Some people say that they were changed by Riso. Those are conflicting messages that I got on the topic. And they say that some people say that the song was originally written about a breakup and that the guy was who wrote it was so 
bothered by the breakup that his whole view of the world changed and he thought that life was hopeless and there was nothing worth living for anymore. But then some people say that the lyrics were then later changed to be more appropriate for a breakup and less so about the state of the world in general is going to hell and everything is terrible. So kind of conflicting ideas, but what can be said is that in the end, there were versions of the song that were much more closely related to being about heartbreak. So like I said, the song became popular very quickly. And there were plenty of other versions that were recorded. But in Hungary... The most popular one was the one that was recorded by Paul Kalmar, which, you know, partially because it was in Hungarian and it was the original version. Apparently, before it was recorded and popularized by Paul Kalmar, uh, Ceres himself was actually hesitant to put the song out publicly. Supposedly, he thought that it was too vulnerable on his end and he was nervous to see how the world would take it because it was something that he wrote that was so personal to himself and what he was feeling at the time. And so he wasn't quite sure if he felt comfortable with people hearing his innermost thoughts like that. And apparently, he wasn't alone in those negative feelings because throughout the years and actually not too long after it was recorded the song ended up being blamed for anywhere from 17 to 100 different suicides now earlier i said that it kind of got the title of the the hungarian suicide song and this is why supposedly this song was the cause of a lot of people dying and the government, several different governmental entities, actually banned the song from being played on the radio because they were so scared of these rumors, whether they were true or not. So it is kind of some of the bands on the song were rumored, like there was a band that supposedly may or may not have happened in Hungary of the song. But what wasn't rumored was that the BBC in uh, the UK definitely did for sure ban it from being played on the radio, the BBC radio, in the early 40s. And this ban actually spanned it all the way until 2002. So it very recently was allowed to be played on the radio. Now, whether or not BBC Radio decided to go all out and play the song every hour on the hour, I don't know. But for whatever reason, in 2002, they decided that the world could handle the song all of a sudden. And maybe for all I know, they were just like, oh, this is still banned. Oh, I guess we should unban this. So anyways, let's talk about why it became known as the Hungarian suicide song. Very quickly, a quick disclaimer if you hadn't already noticed, the rest of the episode is going to delve kind of 
casually into the topic of not just suicide as in talking about instances, but also talking deeper into the topic itself. So I will just throw out a little content warning that, you know, if you don't want to hear about this kind of stuff, then don't listen any further. Um, But if you're not bothered by it, like I said, we're not just going to go into these specific instances. I want to talk a little bit about suicide itself because it is, I think, important about the validity of some of these stories. So without further ado, here we go. Now, this song first started to get its reputation for having played some sort of role in the suicide of somebody when a shoemaker in Budapest apparently killed himself by hanging and in his suicide note he quoted some of the lyrics from Gloomy Sunday. I do want to throw something out there. Um, This does seem to be the very first instance of somebody having any sort of blame or a reference of Gloomy Sunday in their suicide. And so in that respect, I will say that it lends itself the most validity about did this really happen? Because it's a little bit less sensational when it's the one that started it all instead of just being like, oh, this guy did this. Well, I heard this guy did this, you know. But something that should be noted is that a lot of people who do kill themselves actually don't write notes. And, you know, in any sort of science, correlation does not equal causation. And so they can't really say why that is the case. But some theories as to why that is the case is because some people think that in taking the time to write a note, it might scare somebody from doing it or give them time to think a little bit more clearly or give them time to think about if, you know, the the, the people that they're writing the note to, like how they're going to feel about it and everything. So a lot of the times people think that everybody writes a note, everybody gives a reason, but that's actually not that common. So that does take away a little bit of the credibility, although, of course, some people do write notes. So another story about this song having to do with people dying is that apparently these two guys, they go to a concert and they heard a band playing this song and then they both together in kind of a little pact went and shot themselves and died by shooting themselves Um, after hearing the band play it. Another really popular story having to do with this song is that in Vienna, a woman drowned herself and she was holding on to the sheet music when they found her, the sheet music for Gloomy Sunday. Now, if you ask me, this is one of the more far-fetched stories because if she was dying 
I don't know how it works, but I'm just kind of confused as to how she would still be holding on to the music when they found her. Not to say it's not possible. I don't know how any of that works, but it seems a little far-fetched. It seems a little bit like an urban legend to me, but what do I know? You know, I wasn't even around back then. (laughs) And then in London, they found a woman who had overdosed And she had had that song playing on repeat when they found her. So it was kind of blamed. Maybe it's made her really sad. Maybe she was really sad. So she listened to it to make herself even sadder. You know how it goes when you want to. You're sad. So you want to listen to a sad song to feel even sadder. (laughs) And then another story is that. Uh, a man went to a club and he requested the DJ to play that song. And then as the song was playing, he went outside the club and he shot himself. So like I said, there was apparently anywhere from 17 to 100 different deaths that were blamed on Gloomy Sunday. And in Hungary, at least... 18 deaths were blamed on Gloomy Sunday alone. So at least 18 of the deaths came from most likely the original recording that was in Hungarian by Paul Kalmar. If you remember, I said that this song very quickly gained a reputation as the Hungarian suicide song. And when I say quickly, I mean quickly. Because the version that uh, Paul Kalmar recorded was made in 1935. And in 1936, Time Magazine actually did an article about the song and about the suicides that had been blamed on the song. So it was potentially less than a year after this version came out that it was already being blamed. Now, the interesting thing to me is that even though it was such a big deal at the time that Time Magazine did an article about it, which I'd like to think that Time is a relatively respectful publication, I still don't ever really hear anybody talk about it. Now, I don't know if it's because of the fact that this did happen a while ago or if people just don't really care or maybe people don't really talk about it because it's something that kind of happened happened overseas and you know here we're kind of in our little bubble where we don't really talk about stuff that happened unless it happened in America but I don't really ever hear about anybody telling this story in fact I only have ever met one person who knew about this, and it was the person who told me about it, which was my sister when I was, I think, I think I was 12 when she told me, and I still don't even know how she found out about this, because it is a very niche story, and to this day, I've never heard anybody else talk about this, and I listen to a lot of different podcasts about a lot of strange occurrences, And never once have I heard about the song that apparently drives you to suicide. This song was also brought back up into the zeitgeist in the 80s when Ozzy Osbourne 
was sued by the parents of a kid who killed himself while listening to one of Ozzy's songs called Suicide Solution. Now, at that time, it could have possibly been, I don't know exactly when the um, satanic panic occurred, but I know that Ozzy did have a part in it. And that was kind of the period where we were looking into things like subliminal messaging, that kind of stuff. And so it makes sense to me that he would get dragged into this and that he would get blamed for something like this. But it did make people remember, oh, yeah, it's not, you know, it's not just him. There's subliminal messaging. There's evil and music and songs. And look, look at this one song. You know, it did all these terrible things. So who's to say that, you know, that Ozzy isn't at fault for this when there have been recorded instances of stuff like this happening in the past? So it was brought back up again to kind of um, give give some credit to the claims that the parents made that a mu- music, a song can drive somebody to do things that they wouldn't ordinarily do and can have negative effects on somebody. Beyond the song's interesting history, I think that the story of the composer, Riso Ceres, is honestly probably more interesting than the story of the song itself because if anything, it offers a deeper explanation as to how this could have happened. So, Ceres had a a pretty bad life. Um, I will just say that some of the timeline of his life was muddled a little bit. The events that I saw were all the same, but the timeline was a little bit different. And so some people are blaming different events on uh, the causation for him writing Gloomy Sunday. And I'm going to get into that in just a second. Um, But it can be a little bit hard to tell what caused what because, like I said, the timeline is a little bit muddled. Now, Ceres, like I said, had a pretty hard life. At one point, he was actually put into a Nazi labor camp during World War II. And he did survive and he lived through it. But his mom, who was also put in the camp, did not survive. So she didn't make it through. Now, these are one of the things, one of the events that um, is sometimes um, is sometimes blamed as a cause for Gloomy Sunday. And obviously, it's not uh, it's not funny like what happened to him there. But it's funny that somebody would try to blame uh, his time in the camps on writing Gloomy Sunday because he wrote Gloomy Sunday in the early 30s and 1933 to be exact and if you know anything about history you will know that World War II did not happen until the 40s so I'm not really too sure how that would all work out but um so I'm gonna go ahead and assume that he had already written the song by the time that World War II happened. And so that this is where the timeline gets muddled a little bit. He also was, this is something that is 
definitely it definitely happened um he was a trapeze artist in the circus and some people say that this happened before he was in put in the training camp and some people say it happened after so it could have happened during the time that he was writing it it could have happened after the time um some people also claim that um during the time as a trapeze artist he had to retire by force not by will because he was injured and that that's how he became a composer because he wasn't able to do anything physical anymore so he had to start writing so again it's kind of hard to say if this happened before or after writing uh before or after he was in the labor camp because you know uh, I just don't know I just don't know um so it could be the reason why he started writing or he could have just been writing on the side and was forced to become a writer full-time. But regardless, he did write the song in 1933. And after that, he was never able to write anything else that even almost gathered the same amount of popularity as Gloomy Sunday did. A big point about Ceres is the girlfriend that he had that broke his heart so badly that he ended up writing Gloomy Sunday. So some people say it was kind of rumored that after Gloomy Sunday became a really big hit, he wanted to try to reconcile with the girlfriend and make it all work out. Whether or not it had anything to do with Gloomy Sunday becoming a hit is kind of a question that isn't even really worth asking. All all that I know is he wanted to make it work with her. And what is really interesting about that is and again this seems a little bit uh, unsubstantiated but it is a very popular story that after she heard the song she actually killed herself and some people say that she left a note and all the note said was gloomy Sunday or you know the Hungarian whatever it translates to in Hungarian and so Apparently, you know, the song was so heartbreaking, so devastating to her. She was so upset that she could make him feel that way that um, she ended up killing herself. Again, that one is a little bit of a, a tall tale, not necessarily substantiated. But what is substantiated is that Ceres actually did die by suicide by jumping out of his apartment window in 1968. So his entire life was pretty sad. He was obviously very tormented mentally, whether it had to do with the events in his life or the external physical mental hardships that he did face just by having a really hard life. But regardless, he knew that the song was very famous and apparently he knew of the reputation of the song as well. And he was once quoted by saying, I stand in the midst of this deadly success as an accused man. This fatal fame hurts me. I cried all of the disappointments of my heart into this song, and it seems that others with feelings like mine have found their own hurt in it. So not only was he tormented enough to write the song, but the devastation that others faced and the, you know, the eventual deaths of so many people tormented him as well. So he felt a sense of guilt of this is my fault and I 
even though these other people could feel this way, you know, it was it was my fault and I I caused this somehow. So he did have a very sad life. And if anything, I think that it really, really helps play into the the urban legend part of this where you start getting stories of oh this guy did this and that guy did this and this guy said this and so it helps kind of create the larger than life aspect of the song even though in my opinion the song doesn't really need very much building up and oh this is so crazy because there's so much that even just about Ceres and his life that is interesting enough to make the song have a deeper meaning than it might have had it might have not had if you didn't know about his life some people treat the song as though it is kind of like a curse where if you hear it you're cursed to kill yourself or you're cursed to die tragically something like that but even though it has been treated that way that doesn't stop people from wanting to listen to it and wanting to cover it themselves. Probably the most popular cover of it was the one that was done by Billie Holiday. It really helped popularize it over here in America because it was in English. It was also covered by Paul Bearer, Bjork, and was even featured on the movie Schindler's List, which to me is the perfect depiction of kind of what the song was about. One, because it was very relatable that that same thing, you know, being in the camps did happen to the writer of the song. And also it is the best way to capture, you know, the song is about the state of the world being so negative and how could people be so terrible to each other and that kind of stuff. So I think that it is a very appropriate use of the song if you are not afraid of the potential effects of what the song may or may not do if you listen to it. If you have listened to any other episodes of this podcast, then you probably know that although I like these crazy, larger-than-life, interesting stories, I also like talking about what could have caused them to become popular, why people latch on to them in the first place. And this one has a lot of factors to me that make it stick out and make it have become more than just kind of a small local story or even just a sad song that never went anywhere. One of them is the timing of the song was really good um, to in order to gain fame. He wrote it during the height of the Great Depression and so at that time people were very afraid. You know they were afraid of their future of not just the world, but their own personal part of the world, of, you know, their own life, not knowing things being so uncertain. Will things get better? Will they be able to provide for themselves and their family? And so when you have a song that's about, you know, everything is terrible and everything is going wrong and nothing is right in this world and this world is a terrible place, at a time where so many people are suffering in mass quantities then yeah, it seems likely that it could become popular. Especially because, you know, in the next decade as well, terrible things were happening as well. You know, you had World War II where a lot of people were suffering and so it could continue to stay popular 
and continue to be relevant because you're having two decades of two totally different tragedies happening that go along very well with the theme of the song. Another thing that made all the elements right to create a legend around this song is the state of Hungary itself. Now, if you remember, I said that Time Magazine did an article about this just a year after it came out, and they said that at least 18 deaths in Hungary were caused by Gloomy Sunday. Well, there were external situations that could very easily cause an outsider to make an assumption that wasn't actually correct. Now, Time Magazine, if you know, is an American magazine, so they don't really know all that much about what's going on in Hungary in Hungary on a daily basis because they're not based there. Well, at the time, Hungary actually had a suicide rate that was really high. It was about four times higher than that of the U.S. So it might seem kind of crazy and kind of outrageous for all these people to have killed themselves and finding a way to blame Gloomy Sunday. But really, if you looked at the suicide rate in general in this country, it wasn't out of the norm for that many people to have died in that period of time. So while it might look like um, the song was causing people to kill themselves, in actuality, the numbers weren't any different than they normally were. So it wasn't driving up the number of people who might kill themselves at the time. And like I said earlier, it was during the Great Depression. So people were suffering and struggling already. So it's not like there was a lack of external reasons having nothing to do with Gloomy Sunday that might have caused somebody in Hungary to kill themselves. Another thing that I kind of like to think about, it kind of it made me think of, of this, was the suicide forest in Japan. It's also a very similar situation where people act like it has some sort of mystical powers or maybe a curse or something like that that would drive people to kill themselves. I kind of have the feelings, just throwing it out there, that... The song doesn't necessarily cause anyone to kill themselves, but maybe let's just say one person made it a thing where like maybe the original guy, the original shoemaker who hung himself, he accidentally set a precedent that this song was something that drove him to kill himself. Whereas maybe he just thought the lyrics reflected his feeling and was a good way to describe how he was feeling that caused him to kill himself in the first place. And so in doing so, he made people have the feelings that, oh, this is something where if you are super down on your luck, if you are feeling terrible, you want to listen to this song and you can find some solace in it. You can relate. And in turn, people who were feeling suicidal would listen to it. And so 
it just is a cycle that perpetuates itself. That's kind of how I feel about the suicide forest, that there's no magical powers about it. It just kind of, after a while, became a place that people knew, okay, I can go there and not be disturbed if I want to go ahead and try and kill myself. And although I didn't do my homework on this because I didn't want to fall into what was inevitably going to be a deep, deep rabbit hole, I am 100% positive that that is not the only song that people had playing on a loop whenever they were found dead. It's not the only song that's ever been quoted in a suicide note. I mean, definitely, the like I said, the Ozzy Osbourne song was very much blamed publicly in that one instance. But I don't think that that's the only time that that's ever happened. If anything, I'm sure there are songs that I could find that multiple people listened to while they were uh, dying or killing themselves or wrote about in their suicide note. So although it can seem like it might have some sort of curse like a lot of people treat it as, I don't think this is anything particularly insane. I do think that the composer did an amazing job at writing a very relatable, sad song. And in that way, it's really cool. I think it's in order to express yourself artistically in a way that so many people can relate, I think that's good writing. Now, obviously, I don't think it's good that people could relate that much that, you know, there were people who did or did not, depending on who you ask, kill themselves while listening to the song. Like, that's terrible. But it is interesting that he was able to convey how he felt in a way that so many people could fully, truly understand at a time where people might have felt like they couldn't find anybody else who could relate to how they were feeling. You know, they didn't have you know, social media or whatever that can give you an insight into what other people are thinking what, and what other people are feeling in a way that can make you realize, okay, you know, you're not alone. There are people who can relate to your feelings and you're not different or weird for having these feelings. It could be a way for people back then to understand that, you know, that being super down on your luck and having those negative feelings that people back then didn't really talk about is not super insane or super abnormal. So in that way, It was really good writing, if you ask me. But that is going to end it for this week. I am going to do something a little bit different. Um, If you are interested in hearing it, if you're not spooked or whatever, I will end this episode with a little bit from the song instead of my typical little outro song. Um, The original version that was recorded um, in Hungarian, so you're probably not going to understand it. I don't know if anybody out there who listens to this speaks Hungarian, but yeah, so I will close it out with the song itself, and if you want to hear the seriously sad song, then go on ahead and keep listening. So that closes it for this week. Thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, stay spooky.
vasárnap szár fehér virággól, Azóta szomorú, mindig a vasárnap.